Hey, here we go. It is the DC Sports Center. We're sponsored by MGM National Harbor. It's time to change the game at BetMGM Sports. And yes, along with Rob Woodford, George Wallace, Dave Preston, it's our weekly get together again. We're not going to solve anything. Hopefully, have some fun and and uh, also leave you some questions. And you might want to email us because you're mad at whatever we say. That's the way life works now in the United States. Hey, Maryland does have a new <laughs> basketball coach. Uh, there was some guy named George Wallace last week. Who'd you say it was going to be Mike Bray? We were supposed to mark that down, right? I did say that. Yeah. And uh, it, what it happened? Was, you, uh, you, you didn't negotiate well enough. It's not Mike Bray, but from a, apparently he uh, likes his team and is going to doesn't want to really coach in the Big Ten and is going to stay at Notre Dame because right. it's not him. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, Would have made, <laughs> made a good press conference. You know, the math guy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But while we, I mean, you're a and again, we made the distinction last week. You're a Maryland grad, not a booster. Boosters contribute money. And I've been out with you before. You don't contribute money. So you're a Maryland grad. Kevin Willard is a is new coach from, from Seton Hall. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I like it. Look, I mean, it's uh, he, he, the, the guy can coach. We've seen that. A lot of people worry that maybe it was, you know, Mark Turgeon 2.0, just because kind of a methodical style of basketball, you know, play in the Big East. But look, he can coach, and it's tougher to recruit at Seton Hall than it is here, you would hope. So uh, I, I liked what I heard, what he said yesterday. You want to bring that swagger back. I think he did a great job of, of recognizing the past with Gary and Lefty. You notice he didn't mention Mark Turgeon's name at all yesterday. But uh, uh, I, I like that part of it. And I think he said, look, we're going to have some fun. We're going to get up and down. He likes to adapt his offense to his two best players, I heard him say. Uh, so I think that fans should be excited about it. I mean, he wanted – to come here. That is, for me, that is key. I mean, Brenda Freeze said that he made the point of seeking her out at an Under Armour uh, event a few years ago and basically telling her this is the job he wants. This is his dream job. So as a Maryland fan and as, a, 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 um, uh, you know, from someone that follows the program, you have to like to hear that. The guy wants to be here. He recognizes the importance of recruiting in the DMV. He mentioned that multiple times yesterday. So Look, I, I think it's a uh, it's a win for the school, and let's hope it uh, translates on the court. But from what I heard yesterday, I'm all in. Yeah, and by the way, recruiting, uh, more important than ever. It always was important. But now that we're really in this one-and-done era, now we're in a G League Ignite era where guys are going straight from high school. They're not even stopping by college. It, right. it puts the emphasis on, on uh, recruiting. And again, I love the mention of, of Lefty Drizel, and I think with all mm -hmm. due respect or fairness, he mentioned that the two winningest coaches at, at right. the school it wasn't a, a slight to Mark Turgeon, but yeah, no. Lefty Drizel said that he was going to make Maryland the UCLA of the East in the early 70s. And if Moses Malone, who had committed to Maryland, had come to Maryland, he would have accomplished that, I believe. But that was back when there was a thing called the ABA and Moses Malone turned pro right out of high school. As always, I get off the subject. Dave Preston, somehow <laughs> you have five minutes in between every bracket racket you're writing and, and all these games uh, you're covering. Uh, you must have noticed something about the coaching announcement. Well, I noticed that they did not mention Bob Wade, nor did they mention Frank Fellows. So it wasn't just a turd slight. No, I, I think uh, on my piece for WTOP.com that uh, dropped earlier today, he hit all the notes in this press conference. It's tough to lose a press conference unless your name is Jim Zorn or you're saying happy Thanksgiving, but he didn't say, hey, my family, we love those Maryland crab sticks, or hey, we're going to bring you guys home an ACC championship. Right. <laughs> he hit all the notes. He was thankful to his former employer. He was appreciative of Under Armour, yeah. and 
Yeah, you, there, there is an invisible hand out there in college athletics with Under Armour and their relationship with different schools and different coaches. There is a back channel that doesn't exist uh, with, say, Nike schools and Under Armour schools. They, they, there's a way to get things done and get deals done, whether you're an Adidas coach, whether you're an Under Armour coach, whether you're a Nike or I don't even know if they still sell Etonic or or uh, was it uh, AC or uh, was it Pony? Remember Ruse that uh, Walter Payton had with a little pocket? I don't think they sell those anymore. But I think there there will be some challenges uh, coming ahead for Kevin Willard. One, he's got to build a staff. From what I've heard, uh, he's already putting his staff together. Two guys, can't name them right now, but he's already putting a staff together. Two, he's got to be able to go out and recruit. As you guys mentioned, uh, under Mark Church in the last 10 recruiting classes, according to 24-7 sports, ranked uh, roughly fifth to sixth in the Big Ten and 33rd overall uh, in you know nationally. But still, you would see a Hunter Dickinson go to Michigan. You would see a uh, Luca Garza, you know, Adam Array go to Iowa and become the Big Ten player of the year. So it's not just enough to get a good grade but you have to be able to identify guys who might not be the best prospect coming out of high school, but guys that you can mold and you can coach up over the span of four years. I thought that Bino Ranson, a former Maryland assistant, was great at getting big men to improve their game. If you look at Jalen Smith from year one to year two, Bruno Fernando from year to year one to year two, you saw an, an incredible improvement. Kevin Willard needs to get teachers and recruiters on this staff, and 30 needs to be able to sell the program. You look at attendance this past year, it was roughly over 13,000 in a 19,900 uh, seat building. And that, and, and trust me, I've covered enough schools where there's a lot of rounding up in different sections and things of that vein. So it reads 13, but some nights it felt like nine or 10. And so you want to get that building rocking because when Xfinity Center gets rocking for Gravis Vasquez, uh, it, it reminds you of the good old days at Cole Fieldhouse when they sold out that building and you couldn't get a seat and it was, it was must attend basketball and entertainment in a very busy uh, DC Metro area where there's always something going on. And it's very easy to find, to make an excuse not to attend a nine o'clock tip off against Minnesota, you know, late in February, but he's got to be able to sell the program to the fan base uh, and to the state. And those are the challenges he has. Good luck to him. Well, and that, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that point because uh, it, it, the point about where the school is, this is a major area, and that's a selling point, uh, no doubt, to some kids. It also adds to the competition uh, for Maryland, where it's not a, a college town. This is not a college town where no matter what the situation is, uh, you, you own that town. This is not Penn State where it doesn't matter. Uh, everything's blue and white in Happy Valley. Uh, you know, we have a beltway here, so you're not allowed to have a Happy Valley. And uh, you know, it also adds to the fact the pressure of selling the program. That title was 2002. So we got a generation of kids now that what you just referenced, Coalfield House and those rivalries, uh, they're going to have to Google about, Rob. Yeah, and actually the 20-year anniversary of that title is next week. So that's preview, something we'll probably talk about on next week's episode. But today, look, I, uh, th this wasn't a bad hire. And I think we discussed this before, uh, Maryland needed a home run and this was kind of like a double. So it's not a bad hire. It's just not the been, kind of hire been, that's going to, uh, that's going to move the needle. 
All right, who would have been a home run, though, do you think? Do you, do you have I mean, a funds. The, Henry Winkler, you bring him in here, it's a home run for all the wrong reasons. I'm not, I'm not even 60, so I, I don't have anything to say to that. I mean, we talked about Rick Pitino on here, and I know that that comes with a lot of caveats and a lot of question marks and asterisks, but that's something that would have moved the needle and that would have put Maryland on the national conscience again. So I'm not necessarily advocating for that hire, but I'm saying in a hiring of that caliber uh, w- would have moved the needle. I think a lot of people say Kevin Willard. Okay, look, I have mad respect for what he did at Seton Hall, but I'm going to use a football analogy for this. Uh, uh, the late, great Marty Schottenheimer was a guy that you could count on to take a team from four and 11, five and, uh, you know, five and 11, four and 12, and take that team to the playoffs in pretty short order. But the knock on him was he couldn't win the big one. Once he got to the playoffs, he tended to go one and done. And so, you know, there's a little of that with this uh, Willard hire in that he did turn around what was a dead Seton Hall program and started getting them to the tournament on a pretty regular basis. But once he got there, he never got past the second round. So, again, with more resources at Maryland than he had at Seton Hall, can he do more? That is the big question. But I think that, you know, for where this program is right now, they needed to get one of those guys, maybe, you know, a Phil Jackson type guy who uh, is known to do more with more as opposed to guys who turn things around, who take programs from the dirt and get them to respectable. I think real quick, I think look, it's, it costs a lot of money these days. He's going to make an average of $4.2 million. Okay. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that, has, that has something to do with it. And he had four other offers, he said. But for me, like, I, I, I seriously believe that the fact that he mentioned multiple times, I'm not moving my family for anything other than this job. For me, the, if you come in saying that, it, my point is, you're not leaving Seton Hall because, oh, look, Maryland's giving me $4 million. I'm just going to go. I don't know anything about the school. I don't think about the history. Of course, the money has something to do with it. But for me to hear him say that, I, 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 like, to, I like to hear that. And I think also why uh, the proof will be in what he does and what he can accomplish. But I, what I will say uh, about uh, the ability for a coach, if it becomes the right person to, to turn things around, I think about Brenda Fries. I remember yep. when she was hired. I remember seeing a billboard on New York Avenue and it was promoting Maryland women's basketball. And I was doing ACC women's basketball at the time. And I remember thinking, well, good luck to her because there were so many Virginia, North Carolina, NC State. KL was still at NC State. At that point, they were still in the ACC. They weren't even in the conversation in the ACC, much less where they are now. But she came in and she had the right passion, got the right players. And next thing you know, the crowds came, the results came. Uh, I still think there's going to be another title from Brenda Fries at Maryland. Uh, I know a lot of people may not follow men's soccer, but it was the same thing where Sasha Swarovski came in. And Maryland at the time was not even the best soccer team in the ACC. You had Bruce Arena and his Virginia team in North Carolina. And you go right down the list. And I remember thinking he came in saying, I'm going to win a national title at Maryland. I'm like, well, good luck. Not that I doubted him, but he just he just had such a pecking order in his own conference. Right. And the next thing you know, through will and determination, he got players here. He's had the most players drafted by Major League Soccer, and, and he got them in position. So um, I, I think George's point about the, the will and want to to be here is a, is a good point because it is such a competitive 
world college basketball uh, for a lot of reasons, including what I talked about, the fact that uh, you're now up against kids who may not even want to come to college. They're going to turn pro and because the NBA is offered that pathway with the G League Ignite. And I think to address, uh, you know, Kevin Willard, where he came from, George mentioned it a little bit, to come from Seton Hall. I, uh, Seton Hall, if you looked at the teams in the Big East, you know, get, as far as how good of a job that is in the conference, it's probably eighth, ninth, or tenth, if, if that. It's, it's the other school in and around New York City, and St. John's isn't even that good anymore. So mm-hmm. it is a lower-tier job. And the fact that he was able to get them to the tournament five times, yes, they didn't do much once they got there. But he also got them to the Big East semifinals. And if there was one, I think, and, and they, they played better as the season progressed. If you look at what dogged, what bothered a lot of fans about during the Mark Tenure, uh, Turgeon regime was the fact that they would have these flameouts at the Big Ten tournament. They lost to a Nebraska team that I think dressed up their mascot because yeah. they were put on scholarship guys. Under Turgeon, Maryland would have these February fades where they would lose to a Penn State or a Minnesota or a Nebraska or a Northwestern on the road or even at home on senior day, they'd, they'd fall to a Penn State. And I, they, I and they just didn't seem, not only did they have trouble getting to the Sweet 16, they had trouble winning games in the conference. And Kevin Willard, uh, when the reconfigured Big East, of the eight Big East tournaments, he won one. Uh, another one was a, a pandemic where they would have been the number one seed. And he got to five semifinals. So that proves that, okay, the, the team is playing better as the year progresses. The last couple of years under Turgeon, once they entered the Big Ten, I think only once do they have a better record the, the second half of conference play than they did the first half. So those are thing, those are causes for confidence with Kevin Willard. The fact that he'll have more money, more facilities, he'll have something better to recruit to than Seton Hall. That has to be encouraging, but he's got to show progress in the first two or three years. And when I say two or three, I probably mean one or two. They can't go out and go, you know, five and 15 in the Big Ten next year. Uh, you know, he's got a seven-year deal, but they, ha- they do have to show some progress and they do have to show a little bit of the fight that he talked about. Because if they don't, his press conference where he talked about how they, how they were going to work, there was going to be a swagger that they were going to bring back, that's going to come back to haunt him. And if you By can the way, use don't the, tra- knock- the transfer portal, the, the transfer portal is, is huge. That's a different landscape in college basketball. And if he can work that, of course, you can get good quickly. And one, and they talk about the NCAA tournament. You, I'm not making any excuses. You don't make excuses. But I'm, I'm going to – last week's 30-point loss to TCU, I'm not going to count that. That he, Everybody knew he was gone. The players were – they that thing was just over before it started. So – I'm not gonna and by the way, uh, don't don't knock mascots because Dave Press and I saw him interviewing <laughs> last, last mascot night. madness, my friends. Hashtag yes. check it out. Right. Did you rub Testudo's nose, by the way? Did you rub Testudo's nose for the good luck? No, I did not. No, he wouldn't let me. He said, I'm not a donor or an alum. And he says that your checks have not cleared yet, George. So. Also, it's 2022. You got to get consent, y'all. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> hey. Hey, uh, uh, Spokane, uh, let's hope it is at the gateway to greatness for the Maryland women's basketball team. My belief on this uh, team is because they are so battle tested and and I see what you're pointing at. Yes, because they are so battle tested because of the adversity they went through, the schedule they played. I think this is a Maryland team that can go all the way, simply put. And that's my opinion. Rob. I, 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 and that's that. Hey, we're out. 
No, I, I mean, I, I picked them to win it all. And here's the thing. They're, they're, uh, they're healthy. And that was sort of the thing that they kept going back to when yeah. they spoke to the media before taking off for Spokane was, and, uh, you know, Angel Reese had the best quote, a healthy Maryland is a scary Maryland. And that's the thing. I mean, you're going up against a one seed. You're going up against the defending champions. But the Cardinals should be the ones who are scared of Maryland on some level because they when they saw them before, they weren't healthy. Of course, uh, Brenda Freeze lost her father early, uh, uh, early in the season. So it's like they've been dealing with adversity. They played a really tough schedule. So, I mean, this is a team that's battle-tested. They come in healthy, and they are, by all accounts, at least if you listen to the quotes, they are hungry. So, I mean, at a, you know, at a, um, uh, at a site that is neutral, uh, I'd give Maryland the advantage in this because all of the pressure is on uh, Stanford. So Maryland could come in loose, and it sounds like they are. They come in loose, they come in confident, and, uh, and they're on top of their game right now. Hey, Preston. Well, I think uh, Rob had it right there. Confident. I think it's better to be confident than to be loose too. So I, I, <laughs> I both right now, I think uh, you, they did meet uh, Stanford during the regular season. They lost in a tournament in the Bahamas uh, by 18, but they didn't have diamond Miller. They didn't have Katie Benson for that game. Uh, I think uh, diamond Miller finally looks healthy. I had a chance to uh, cover the Sunday game where they beat Florida Gulf coast and rather convincingly, she looks really good. Uh, and the rest of the pieces have come in place. Cause for uh, concern, the teams that they beat to get to the Sweet 16, a 12 and a 13 seed. So they, yes, they've won two games, but they haven't, you know, it, I'd be more impressed if they had beaten, say, a Virginia Tech that was the fifth seed, but you got to beat the teams that are ahead of you. Also, right. another cause for concern might be uh, depth. Uh, they only really play seven players if they get into foul trouble, and you never know how whistles are going to go in the NCAA tournament. There were a couple of plays against Florida Gulf Coast where you had these ridiculous whistles and everyone on press row looked at each other. It's like, what is that? Things can really turn on a dime if you get the wrong whistles, especially uh, with a team that's as talented and as battle-tested as, as Stanford. But I think this team is as good as any since 2015, the one that uh, got to the Final Four more recently, most recently. For Coach Brenda Freeze, they've got experience, they a fantastic senior-slash-graduate class in their fifth and sixth years, uh, uh, thanks to pandemic allowances. The player like Katie Benson, who led the nation in scoring, uh, led the nation in three-point shooting last winter, 50% from outside the arc, isn't doing that this year, but she's a fantastic glue player. She can help run the offense. She does a lot of things on both ends of the floor. And uh, Ashley Owusu's a point guard like none other. She's built more like a small slash, you know, uh, small forward. So she's able to bowl into that lane and just, you know, cause contact, get to the line and make plays there too. And Rob referred to Angel Reese. She's probably the most talented player on this team. As a sophomore, she was all Big Ten, third-team All-American, and she has – she's technically a forward, but she has game that you don't often see for a four or a five. So I'm looking forward to watching uh, this team take on Stanford uh, Friday night at 9.30. I'll be watching. Okay, we only got about a minute left because I, I got to catch a flight. Real quick, <laughs> we'll start with you, George, because you got to get into a sportscast. Did, they, did Washington jump the gun on, on uh, getting a, a quarterback? Should they wait? We have Matt Ryan on the move, Deshaun Watson, uh, not going to have criminal charges anyway. Did they jump yeah. the jump, jump? I think so. I mean, I think they panicked. They didn't want to be left, uh, you know, with nobody standing at the altar, or however you want to put it, with no, no quarterback. I think they panicked a little bit. 
could they have waited? Sure, but you don't know how it's going to unfold. They they targeted him. You know, if if you know they, they he went to, Rivera went and talked to Joe Gibbs. They target they 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 put everything on the board and Carson's their guy. If they're convincing themselves of that, fine. You got to go with it and stick with it. It sounds like they're convinced of that, uh, whether how real that is or not. But could they have waited? Sure, but they they need to absolutely get a quarterback somehow, some way. Yes. Yeah, so if you're going to go by that. They had an opportunity. They jumped it. And I, I will say, Frank Wright calling Rivera and saying that you're going to love this guy. You've got the right guy. I like to hear that because it's obvious in Indy, it was not a Frank Reich situation that he wanted him gone. So it was an owner situation. Um, so, you know, if, if he's telling him that and calling him, then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But to, to, to bluntly answer your question, yes, I think they jumped it a little bit. But again, they had to get something. But did he oh, say that before or after the trade, though? If he said if he said it before the trade, he's trying to sell it. If he said it after, no, the it was trade. after, after, after. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. Right. Hey, you're gonna love this guy. Take him. Uh, yeah. Great. All right. right. But 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 I think that's the key that we're not coaching him. Ron Rivera's coaching him. So yeah. if, if, if this is the guy, if he decided he has to go, Carson Wentz is his guy. That's all you need to know. Rob, your thoughts. Uh, I, I think that they definitely did jump the gun on it, but at the same time, it is a little bit revisionist history because we didn't know that Matt Ryan was available until just recently. We didn't know that the uh, Deshaun Watson thing was going to escalate uh, to the extent that it did. And so I, you know, in terms of the trade market, um, they, they didn't know that those, uh, that those options were going to be there, but I mean, it, it doesn't change the fact that they could have had at least two or three options that are better, both in terms of the cost and in terms of the quality of play, had they gone the free agent route and then drafted a guy. All right. Well, there we go. It's uh, that does it for this DC sports huddle sponsored by MGM national Harvard time to change the game at bet MGM sports for George Wallace, Dave Preston, Rob Woodfork. I'm Dave Johnson. We'll see you next week break. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Veer right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.